Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane. So shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Great to have you aboard. If you don't like that, today a potpourri of sorts. We are going to talk about cancer culture. Jalen Rose and Katie Couric had some very interesting things to say on that topic. I'm going to have an extended Q&A thanks to CrowdQuestion. Boy, the questions today are outstanding. As we get you ready for the weekend, I'm going to give you my thoughts on some of the big NBA trades and moves of this past week. And my rant today, Ohio State, Michigan, never seems to died down, even though Ohio State has dominated that football rivalry uh, as of late. But before we get going, I want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. For all of your home low needs, go to roysumbrella.com. Hey, if you need more information on a reverse mortgage, be sure and schedule an appointment with one of Roy's specialists at Roy's Umbrella. Folks, no tricks, no nonsense, no extra or hidden charges at the end. And you talk about loyalty, you're going to get that from Roy. He's going to treat you like family. He and his staff are outstanding. I know because I've used Roy on a couple of my loans the last couple of years. Again, just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. All right, so I read a story in the New York Post. Jalen Rose had Katie Couric on his podcast. And I've really developed a great, deal of respect for Jalen. I think he has really become uh, an incredible figure on the media front. I was not crazy about Jalen when he first got into the business, but I have really grown on him. I I think he does uh, an amazing job. Uh, I I think he's very insightful. Um, I think he's very open-minded. And the podcast that he had with Katie Couric, who is one of the real top journalists uh, of her era, in the United States, I I thought was very interesting. Uh, They talked about cancel culture, and I saw the story in the New York Post. I have not yet listened to this podcast, but I'm going to. But uh, he started off by saying that they are both firmly against cancel culture. And Katie Couric had this to say, quote, we have to be more compassionate and less judgmental. I'm not a big fan of cancel culture. Fair-minded people are trying to learn. I feel like we need to help people along. And, you know, maybe I'm naive, but I think that's part of the healing process to not attack. If we can approach it 
and a less confrontational way, I think it's easier to change hearts and minds. And then Jalen said this, to me, cancel culture is flawed because I would rather hear where people stand and respect and appreciate their authenticity. We are too quick to muzzle others. I am in the communication business. So to me, it's okay to disagree with someone without disrespecting them or their beliefs and culture. It's what creates open dialogue and growth. And I was so happy to see that from Jalen and Katie, because last week I was on Clay Travis's podcast, and we talked a lot about cancel culture. And the one thing that we really have not talked a lot about is the domino effect when someone gets canceled, all right? They're just not by themselves. In many instances, they have a spouse, they have a family. Uh, There's a big domino effect. So when someone's canceled, it's not just that one individual. And I was so happy to see Jalen Rose and what he had to say on this topic. And again, the key word here is communication. And I've talked about this on several of my podcasts. Communication, for whatever reason, has gone out the window in this country. And how sad is it that, as I said, no one, when I say no one, I'm obviously generalizing, but no one wants to peel back the layers and spend five minutes on an individual. And again, I want to repeat what Jalen said, all right? Because I think that we need to hear this twice. I would rather hear where people stand and respect and appreciate their authenticity. He's spot on. We don't do that anymore, all right? Then he went on and said, we are too quick to muzzle others. Again, that's what I've been talking about very often on this podcast the last two months. I'm in the communication business, he says. So to me, it's okay to disagree with someone without disrespecting them or their beliefs and culture. It's what creates open dialogue and growth. And if you go back to me, again, I've said this from the very first podcast that I did. I think it was, what, October 1st? Is I never got a chance. I never got a chance to do that. I was just canceled. No one wanted to hear. I think a lot of people wanted to hear, but I wasn't given the opportunity to speak. And Jalen used, I think, an amazing word when he talked about this because I think he's spot on. You know, authenticity, yes, but he used the word muzzle. We are too quick to muzzle others. Spot on, Jalen. I applaud you for that because you are absolutely 100% correct. And I hope as we get ready to turn the calendar in a couple of weeks to 2021, that we can get a country back to dialogue. You know, whether you are a Democrat or a Republican, whether you are white or black or Hispanic or Asian, whether you are male or female, whether you are straight or gay or, you know, I, I really hope we can start getting back to having real constructive and respectful dialogue. How about that? Respectful dialogue in the United States. Where's that gone? We don't seem to have that anymore. So I wanted to start off the podcast today talking about that story that I read in the New York Post with Jalen Rose and Katie Couric. And again, I will listen to Jalen's podcast because I think it's going to be fascinating. All right, this past week, we've seen a lot of action uh, in the NBA. Let me start in Sacramento with the Kings as they do not match the offer sheet from the Atlanta Hawks for Bogdan Bogdanovich. 
I don't think you become a better team when you lose your best players. And Bogdan Bogdanovich, without any question, was one of Sacramento's best players. And I don't understand when you have an asset, you don't get something for your asset. I mean, if you had a beautiful two-carat diamond and you wanted to get a different diamond, you wouldn't take your diamond and throw it in the garbage, would you? You would keep that diamond, okay, and use it to maybe get a beautiful, nicely cut, three-cut diamond. It would cost you a lot less if you were able to take the two-carat diamond. If you had a nice-looking stone, that would help you. It would save you a lot of money. It would be advantageous when you negotiate. I just don't understand losing Bogdan Bogdanovich for nothing. I don't understand letting Kent Bazemore and Harry Giles go for basically nothing on the open market. Now, I don't know if Harry really wanted to stay in Sacramento. You know, I I don't know if he was crazy about Luke Walton. I don't know. But here's what I do firmly understand. Both he and Kent Bazemore were really good for Sacramento, particularly in the last part of the season when the Kings were 13-7 and and then the pandemic hit. And Kent Bazemore and Harry Giles and Alex Len, I'll throw him in as well. They were really productive for Sacramento when they were playing their best basketball of the season. And I'm hearing a lot of great things about the Kings' first-round draft pick in Halliburton. Well, I'll tell you this right now. I don't know anything about Halliburton. He could walk into my room right now, and I wouldn't recognize him. So I'm not going to sit here and sound like I'm an expert on him. I don't know anything about him other than where he played his college basketball and a couple of highlights. But I'm telling you right now, no matter what, he's not better than Kent Bazemore right now, and he sure as hell isn't better than Bogdan Bogdanovich. All right, now he might be someday. I don't have a crystal ball, but he's not going to be this year. So you don't become better by losing Bogdanovich, in my opinion. All right? I, I, I don't think this makes a lot of sense. Now, I talked about this on my rant. All right? You have a new front office, and they deserve to put their stamp on this team. Give them three years to turn around a team that hasn't been in the playoffs in ages, hasn't had a winning season in ages. So what may look kind of questionable right now, hey, it may turn out to be the right move. But I don't like it. I I just don't like it. And then I've been getting a lot of questions about Luke Walton. Luke was hired by Vlade Divac. They both signed extension. Well, Luke signed a four-year deal last summer. Vlade Divac signed a new deal. And within one year, Vlade's gone and Luke Walton is the coach. Then you take away a lot of the players that Luke really had success with. And now you think that the Kings are going to be a better team this year? I don't see how Luke Walton is going to survive this. I really don't. Because if the Kings get off to a bad start, everyone's going to want to blame Luke. Well, don't blame Luke, all right? He's the chef, all right? He cooks. He needs good groceries to make a good meal. And right now, on the surface, without even seeing the team play a game, it doesn't look like he's got a lot of fine groceries to cook his meal with. Time will tell, but it doesn't look good for me or for Luke right now from where I sit. All right, big trade in the NBA this week with the Houston Rockets and the Washington Wizards. Russell Westbrook goes from Houston to Washington. And John Wall, who hasn't played in what, since 2018, is now a member of the Houston Rockets. I don't think this does anything for either team. I really don't. Now, Scott Brooks coached Russ in Oklahoma City. Scott Brooks loves Russell Westbrook. 
Russ knows Scott. Scott knows Russ. So that should be a good fit in Washington. We know they got Bradley Beal. But we also know that they're not better than a lot of the teams in the East with Russell Westbrook. Now, we know Westbrook is a dynamite talent. But he can't shoot. He's not good at the free throw line. And I worry about the pounding that this guy takes going to the basket and as far as him staying healthy. Houston, on the other hand, I don't know what you expect from John Wall. I don't know what is the future of James Harden in Houston. I don't like the way Houston plays, but they've got new management. They've got new coaching. What they have done in the past obviously has not worked. It's sexy. It's exciting. The regular season looks fine. And then you get to the playoffs, and it's the same story year after year after year. Live by the three, die by the three. Big game. Where's James Harden? Where's James Harden when you need him? Is James Harden going to be able to put the team on his back? No, he's not. During the regular season, he can put the team on his back. But not in the postseason. He's had his opportunities. It hasn't worked. So I don't think this deal is really going to make a big difference for either team. I really don't. Is Washington more exciting with Russell Westbrook? Yeah, of course they are. I don't think there's any question about that. But does that really make them significantly better? Makes them better. Significantly better? I don't see it. I really don't. And as I said, you know, assuming that they're able to play this season and and play a full 72 games, good luck with him staying healthy. All right, the big news out in the Western Conference, besides that trade, are the signings of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, long-term deals, and they're the team to beat. We all know they're the team to beat. And if Anthony Davis and LeBron James stay healthy, let me ask you this. Who in the West is going to finish ahead of them if those two guys are healthy? Now, we know Davis has a tendency to get hurt a lot. We know that. But if those two guys are healthy, who in the West is going to beat them? Anybody? Dallas? Nope. Houston, nope. San Antonio, nope. Denver, I don't think so. Utah, I don't think so. The Warriors, now without Klay Thompson, no. The Clippers, no. Portland, no. You know, again, I'm doing this without being able to predict injuries. Who's going to beat the Lakers? Who in the West is going to beat the Lakers if LeBron James and Anthony Davis are healthy? I do not see it. So good luck to the rest of the teams uh, in the Western Conference. And again, I've been talking about this for a long time. That's if you're able to have a season. I don't see you having a 72-game season. I'd be shocked if that happens. All right, as I said, we are going to have an extended Q&A thanks to CrowdQuestion. If you go to CrowdQuestion.com, it's very simple. It takes a minute to sign up. Then you can ask a question, and I will answer it right here on the podcast. And the reason why I'm spending a little extra time on this today is this week's questions are outstanding. This is from Chris. With all the sporting events you have attended, did you ever as a kid run on the field to celebrate with the team that just won a big game? Security at pro games these days have eliminated large crowds running on the field. I ran on the field after the Yankees beat the A's in the 1981 playoffs with hundreds of other idiots. Other than Division Three college football, when my dad used to take me and my brother to Union College, his alma mater, 
And, you know, those weren't big games, but we would always be on the field after the games. No, I never ran onto the field. You want to know why? I was never close enough to be able to run onto the field. I think I've always said this. Growing up with my father and my brother, we never were close to the field or the ice or the court. So, no, I, I never was able to run onto the field after a big game. Now, I think I've shared this story. Well, I know I've shared it. But when I had Mickey Hatcher on a couple of weeks ago on my podcast, when the Dodgers won the World Series in 1988 against the A's in five, I had a media pass, was covering the game for Channel 31, and in the ninth inning was standing right next to the Dodgers dugout. And when the Dodgers clinched, I ran out onto the infield, and I was on the infield with the Dodgers celebrating. Now, it really wasn't that big of a deal to me because I'm not a fan of the Dodgers. But I did go to college with Oral Hershiser. And when Oral was walking off the field, you know, he was doing the Disneyland, Disney World commercial. Where are you going now? You know, and I was literally 10 feet from that. And that was a very neat experience. The other neat experience that I had was when the Giants beat the 49ers at the stick in 91. And I was standing to the left of the goalpost, right on the field, when Matt Barr kicked the game-winning field goal. And what I remember was Jim Crandall of Fox 40 was next to me and a couple of the other uh, Sacramento news and sports anchors. And I remember the stick being so unbelievably loud as the Giants lined up for that game-winning kick. And when Matt Barr kicked that ball, and again, I was standing right to the left of the upright, what I remember the most was how quiet it got instantaneously. And I was going ballistic, being a lifelong crazy New York Giants fan. And I ran onto the field. Jim Crandall will tell you this story. Whenever Jim and I talk about it, he just can't believe it. I ran onto the field, and I was in the celebration with the New York Giants uh, at the stick. So I have run onto the field, but not as a fan, but as a uh, deranged, crazy member of the media. But that's an interesting question. Bobby asked a great question here. What's the technical aspect of play-by-play announcing most people are unaware of? Two different mediums here, Bobby. So I'm going to start and talk about radio. And yet you ask a fabulous question because I talk to a lot of aspiring broadcasters and students about this. When you're broadcasting a game on radio, don't tell me what happened. Tell me what is happening. Announce the game in the present tense. That's number one. Number two, you can tell when a play-by-play announcer is behind on the play because you can hear the basket either with the sound effects or the reaction from the crowd or the same thing in hockey or the same thing in football. More than any other sport, though, it's easier to detect in basketball. And a outstanding A-plus play-by-play announcer will announce the play as it is happening with very little delay so that when a basket is made, it's almost instantaneous that the excitement level, the play being culminated, 
coincides with the reaction from the crowd and the sound effects. I always listen for that when I have a game on the radio. I'm always, always listening for that. Those are some of the technical aspects when it comes to radio. Now, TV is completely different. And you learn as you gain experience in this medium. And when you're announcing a game in a home arena and the home team makes a game-winning shot or a game-winning play, whatever the case may be, announcers need to lay out and let the crowd take over because it's almost impossible to talk over the crowd and very often you'll ruin the moment. When you are on the road and the road team makes a game-winning shot or a game-winning touchdown, then you don't lay out, all right? Because very often the crowd is like a library because they're dejected and upset. They just saw their team lose or what have you. And that's when you need to take over. So you announce the game differently at home than on the road. Very good question right there. All right, Dan asked me, playing off Lynn's question from last week, Last week, what were some of your favorite food spots on the road? My favorite food spot, I have two in New York. One is Del Frisco's on 49th and 6th. I love the atmosphere. I love the ambiance in there. It's just spectacular. And the other is Carmine's on 44th and Broadway. You don't go there alone because it's a family-style Italian, but it's just great. Those are my two favorite restaurants. I used to love El Gaucho uh, in Portland. If you ever get up to Portland, El Gaucho uh, is a fabulous restaurant. And then there are so many great restaurants uh, in Chicago. But those are just a couple of mine. El Gaucho in Portland, uh, Del Frisco's, Carmine's in New York, And again, there are just too many to name in Chicago. But those are some of uh, my favorites. Excellent question. Jay says, do you think we'll ever see a two-sport athlete again? I don't. And the reason for that is our youth are being pushed away from playing multiple sports. You don't see multiple uh, sports being played in college that much. It's a fabulous question because when you think of Deion Sanders, you think of Bo Jackson. Think about that. Think about how great they were. And there were others. Danny Ainge was not great in baseball, but, you know, he started off his professional career playing third base for the Blue Jays and then obviously went into the NBA. But because of the way the pressure is on our youth and our athletes to just choose one sport at an early age, I really don't think so. Rafa asked, what have you been watching lately Besides sports, I haven't been watching anything. I really haven't. I've been watching football. I watched the golf. But my TV viewership has been down almost 90%. I am very rarely have the TV on, very rarely. And if I do, it's to the NFL uh, and or golf. I watch the Masters. You know, I watch some of the big events. But I've not been watching much, Rafa. I really haven't. All right, Tim asked me a great question here. Who has been a better comeback story? Alex Smith or Mike Tyson? I think Tyson had more extreme circumstances that were more difficult to overcome. I totally disagree with you. I don't think it's close. Alex Smith's story 
his comeback is one of the great stories that I've ever seen, and I mean ever. He went from being a starting quarterback in the National Football League to almost having his leg amputated. And if you've seen the story on Alex Smith and everything that he had to endure and everything that he went through, and when you look at the pictures of his infected leg after surgery and after surgery and after surgery and after surgery, to think that Alex Smith was able to save his leg, walk, play with his children, and then resume his NFL career with the Washington football team? Are you kidding me? I think it's not even close. I I don't even think it's close. I would love to get some reaction to this. So go to crowdquestion.com, and on Tuesday's podcast of next week, I'll get into this further. Let me know, because this is a great question by Tim. Do you think Alex Smith or Mike Tyson is a better comeback story? Again, I don't think it's close. You know, Mike Tyson fighting Roy Jones Jr., age 54 to 51, he looked like he's in great shape and everything. And again, I'm well aware of Tyson's history and everything. But I, I don't think you can compare it to somebody that came within a eyelash of having their leg amputated. I don't think it's close. I got to go with Alex Smith. All right, Lewis, do you buy into any NBA conspiracies like switch draft picks or Jordan being forced out of the league? Well, first of all, I don't think Michael Jordan was forced out of the league. I'm not sure where you're coming up with that. I, I I don't believe that's accurate. And no, I don't believe in NBA conspiracies. You might be... Uh, referring to the draft of Patrick Ewing and everything that went on allegedly with the lottery there. I don't believe in conspiracies with the NBA. I know there's been a lot of talk about game six with the Kings and the Lakers in 2002. And if I believed in conspiracies, I would have resigned because I wouldn't have worked for a league where I thought the games were fixed or uh, things of that nature. So I'm not, I'm not into that. I don't believe that at all. Sal says, what's the biggest managerial mistake the Kings made during your tenure? There were a couple. Uh, I think the first was Rick Adelman allowing Chris Weber to start when he came back on, what was it, March 3rd, when the Kings had the best record in the NBA. And... When I look back at that time, the only one that came out and talked about this was Aileen Boisson when she was at the Sacramento Bee. Nobody else would approach this. Nobody else would talk about this. The Kings had the best record in the NBA. Vladdy Divac was playing, in my opinion, the best basketball of his career. Brad Miller was playing great. The Kings, as I said, were on a big-time roll. They were just playing tremendous, spirited team basketball. Chris came back, I, again, I think it was March 3rd, against the Clippers in Sacramento and had a phenomenal game. And everybody was thinking, oh, boy, you know, Chris was great, and here we go. That was Chris's best game the rest of the year. The Kings ended up playing 500 the rest of the year. Chris hurt the rotation. He hurt the chemistry. And Rick was not a guy to ruffle feathers. And he also knew that Chris would not have come off the bench, and that's part of the problem with Chris. It was always about Chris. It was never about the team. Not once was it ever about the team when Chris played. It was always about Chris, 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 Chris. Uh, but but uh, he should have, first of all, Chris should have gone to Rick and said, I'll come off the bench. I'll do whatever is needed so I don't rock the boat. But Chris couldn't do that. That's not Chris's personality. And Rick, 
And again, you know, Aileen took a lot of heat for this, but she was spot on. She was 100% correct. That that completely ruined any chance the Kings had of winning a championship that year. And Chris should have been big enough to say, I'll come off the bench, and Rick should have been man enough. And again, I love Rick. Don't get me wrong here. I, I, I respect the hell out of Rick. And I understand what Rick was dealing with. Maybe Rick could have said that to Chris, and Chris would have told him to, you know, go blank himself, and I'm not playing. That could have very well have happened. Trust me, that could have very well happened. So that is a, that's a great question. I think the other big mistake, and I've said this publicly for many, many, many years, uh, Pete D'Alessandro and the Kings firing Michael Malone was a gigantic blunder, and they should have traded DeMarcus Cousins and kept Isaiah Thomas. That was another big blunder, all right? They should have kept Isaiah. They fired the wrong guy, all right? They, they should have fired DeMarcus and sent him packing, all right? They should have gotten a, a good trade for him, and they should have kept Isaiah Thomas. And I think if you had Michael Malone with Isaiah Thomas, I think that team would have been very good. Now, do I think they would have won 50 games? No, I'm not saying that. But look at what Michael Malone has done with Denver. Michael Malone should have never lost his job. I've been very open and very vocal about this in the past. It was a horrible, horrible decision by Pete D'Alessandro, who backstabbed uh, Michael Malone like I've never seen before. Awful. Absolutely awful. And I'm so happy to see Michael Malone's success with the Denver Nuggets because he's a hell of a coach. You know, it's interesting. Um, I was on a talk show host with one of the, uh, what was the guy's name in Denver? Woody? What, uh, it will come up to me. You know who I'm talking about here. And he had me on his talk show in Denver, right? Used to see him on, you know, a lot of the ESPN programming around the horn and everything. And he had me on the show. And he said, you know, what do you think about Denver hiring a no-name and a guy that no one really knows about like Michael Malone. I said, well, did anybody know who Pat Riley was before Pat Riley did anything? I said, I'm telling you right now, you got yourself a hell of a coach, all right? Michael Malone is going to be a hell of a coach for the Denver Nuggets. And I'm so happy to see the success that he has had in Denver. He's a great guy. He's a hell of a coach. And uh, as I said, I'm very happy. But those are those are some of the blunders. And again, I've talked about that publicly. I'm not saying anything for the first time here. I've talked about that uh, when I was doing my radio show in Sacramento uh, very often. All right, Danny asks, what do you think about allowing your children to play football? It's a fabulous question. My youngest son, Chase, started playing football when he was age eight. And you know who else was on that team who was playing his first ever game? Ian Book, the outstanding quarterback of Notre Dame. I watched Ian Book play his first ever game at age eight, and I watched Ian play every year after. Watched him in high school, and I'm so happy to see what he's doing at Notre Dame. If I could go back and do it all over again, I would not have allowed my son to play football at age eight. I would not. If I could go back and do it all over again, he played defensive line. And by the way, the coaching on that team was great. I was at a lot of the practices and the games and the the coaching on that staff, they were very good. They were not reckless. They were not crazy. They followed protocol. So I didn't have any problem with the coaches. 
But in retrospect, watching Chase play and seeing some of the hits that he took, particularly in the head area, if I could do it all over again, I would not have allowed him to play at that early of an age. You know, it's interesting when we talk about that. I was speaking with F.P. Santangelo. And F.P. had a very nice major league career with the Expos, you know, played with both the A's and the Giants. And and we, I've talked to him about this. His youngest son loved baseball, F.P. Jr. And F.P. told me he would not allow him to pitch until he was 16. And I said, you were kidding me. And he said, no. He said, I would not allow Jr. to pitch until he turned 16. And it's amazing my son, or both my sons, and particularly my oldest son, Trent. Trent had a lot of friends that played baseball. And I can't believe how many of them at such an early age were having Tommy John surgery. It like blew me away. And so I was like, I'm, I, and that P knows. I mean, he played baseball. He knew, he, he knew. And he said, nope, my son was not going to pitch until he's 16. And so, in retrospect, I would have made him wait. I would have made him wait. But what is done is done. I would have done things differently as a kid myself. I played youth football. I played hockey. I played lacrosse. I know for a fact that I had multiple concussions playing high school football as a defensive lineman. I, I, at the time, we didn't know, but getting your bell rung, I had that happen to me often. You know, I've gotten, I played attack in lacrosse. Uh, there were many times I would take a, a, a slash on the helmet and beat lightheaded. So what we know now, we didn't know back then. There are a lot of things we would all do differently. That's another great question, Danny. So I would love for you to let me know. Go to crowdquestion.com and let me know. Would you allow your son or daughter to play a contact sport such as football at an early age. What do you think about that? Again, go to crowdquestion.com. Maybe I will answer your question right here if you don't like that. It's time for Rant. Rant. Today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Locally owned for 20 years, leak detection, water line repair, Bathroom plumbing, New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. Folks, they have expert technicians, and their experts are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Well, things just don't change in the state of Ohio and the state of Michigan. I know you know by now that Kirk Herb Street of ESPN, came out and made some idiotic comments about Michigan. All right? I'm sure you've heard it, but if you didn't, I'll go over it. Because Kirk Herbstreet said, I still think Michigan waves the white flag and potentially avoids playing Ohio State next week. He said that on Tuesday. Now, why would he say that? Because you need the six games to play in the Big Ten Championship, and he feels that if Michigan blames covid on them not being able to play, that Ohio State would not be able to qualify for the national championship. Well, that did not sit well with the athletic director at Michigan. Ward Manuel called Kirk Herbstreet a fool. 
All right? A fool. He said, I think it's ridiculous. I have to pause because my words, the anger. I was infuriated by the insinuation that Michigan would do anything other than play a football game. Again, he called him a fool. How about that? He said, I can't tell you how embarrassed I am for the Big Ten Conference to have one of their representatives who played this game say that about any team in this conference. And to say it about college football and the student athletes around this country who are trying to play games during a pandemic as is ridiculous and sad. All right, so Kirk Herbstreet played at Ohio State. He's on national TV, has since come out and apologized for the comments. I got I to gotta say this, all right? I really got to say this. And I want to back up to the beginning of my podcast. You know, about being able to communicate about having constructive dialogue. And I think in this case, it's fair and that we need to have it. But what on earth is Kirk Herbstreet thinking about making a comment like that? He's an unbelievably bright guy. He's got to know that is going to have absolutely horrible feedback from people around the country, in particular in Michigan, with the athletic director, the athletic director Harbaugh, the players, I mean, that's bad news. That is just bad. That's a big boo on a guy that I have a lot of respect for and Kirk Herbstreet. And you know what? Good for the Michigan athletic director for calling him a fool because that is a foolish comment. And again, I respect Herbstreet for coming out and apologizing and saying that he was totally wrong. Good for him to man up. All right. And again, I'm not going to bury the guy. I'm not going to say he should lose his job because that's absurd. He shouldn't lose his job. We need to have constructive dialogue. All right. Uh, But I have no problem here for the Michigan athletic director calling him a fool because it was a stupid, foolish comment, and there's no way around it. And that is my rant for today. Hey, I hope you're enjoying these podcasts. Subscribe, leave a comment, pass the word along. And listen, we know, regardless of what part of the country you're living in or abroad, be safe, man. We see what's happening with the COVID. We know that there's a vaccination right around the corner. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. And as always, thanks for listening. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.